Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. Dr. Justin Hillhouse joins us today to continue our series, I Fix Stuff. What I break, he fixes. There's no question that we as humans are going to hurt and feel broken at times. And there are several instances in the New Testament in which people are broken. It's important to understand that when Jesus heals us, he's not only healing us physically, but spiritually as well. Now, let's hear from Dr. Hillhouse. Uh, you know, uh, I heard a quote, somebody say this, good friends don't let you do stupid things alone. They don't let you do stupid things alone. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it, you know, uh, this past Saturday, as, as I was kind of preparing for this morning, uh, I, I read this passage here in Luke chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 17. And we're going to look in verse 17 through 26. There's one particular area that we are really going to focus on today. But as we kind of get into that, this past Saturday, it was kind of announced that, you know, I'm kind of taking over the men's ministry in the men's area here. And I, I'm really excited about that. But after that announcement was made, some dudes walked up to me and they were like, hey, what are we going to do? What are we going to to do. And as guys, we want to find something to do. And for a lot of men's ministry all around the country, what men's ministry, what men's ministries do is they'll have a quarterly breakfast, okay, about once every three or four months. They'll bring in a speaker. The speaker will speak, and everybody will think, okay, so for the next three or four months, everyone is going to be okay just because we sat down and we had breakfast and we had a good time. And the speaker came in and he solved all of our problems for the next three or four months. And then we're just going to meet in a couple uh, months. Uh, again, and we're going to do it all over again. And for a majority of people, that's what men's ministry is. And that's what it looks like in church, is that we just get together and we kind of do stuff. And there's nothing wrong with doing stuff. And we got a lot of stuff planned for the men's ministry. We're going to have some hunting trips. We're going to have some fishing trips. We're going to have a conference. Uh, we had a men's breakfast a couple weeks ago. We meet here every Tuesday morning just as a group of dudes, right? And that's what we do. But the real question is, is what are we going to be? Because who we be is what we are going to do. You understand what I'm saying? Who we are, and I know that's horrible grammar and I don't really care, but who we are is going to define what we do. And so really the question is not what are we going to do, but the question is going to be who are we going to be? And when you look in Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 17, we see a group of dudes. And we see this great group of guys. And when you look at this passage, this is the group of guys that we see in Luke chapter 5 that I believe we need to be here at Cottonwood Creek. And so when you look in Luke chapter 5, there's this great story. I love this story. And it starts here in verse 17. It says, one day Jesus was teaching. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. And they came from every village of Galilee and from Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house and lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went on the roof, they lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd, right in front 
of Jesus. Let's stop right there just in the story. And I have three thoughts. We'll see how far we get today. But the first thought is simply this, is that Jesus welcomed the broken man. We see that Jesus welcomed the broken man. In verse 19, it says, when they could not find a way to do this, when they couldn't find a way to get get this man to Jesus, it says they went up to the roof, they lowered him on his mat um, through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right there in front of Jesus. So we get the picture here that Jesus is in a house. And if you've seen the houses back uh, in those ancient times, some of these houses, they, they were pretty small. They were maybe, you know, not even 900 square feet. They could have been as small as like 450, 200 square feet, just enough for a room and maybe a place to cook, maybe just a little bit of a living area. They were much smaller than even kind of our standard, what we would call beginner homes uh, today. And so to fill up this home, to have 10, 15, 20 people in there, you're going to pack the house out. And so Jesus has all of these people inside this small little house. People are standing outside and these guys bring their friend here on a cot. And not only do they bring him on the cot and they're standing out there, they're like, hey, what do we do? We can't get into Jesus. So they go up on the roof. They dig a hole in the roof. They remove some of the the shingles. They remove the tile. And they they lower Jesus, or they lower this guy down in front of Jesus. And there are kind of two thoughts from just this short passage right here. And that's this, is that sometimes you're the guy on the cot. And then sometimes you're the guy carrying the cot. There are times when we need friends, when we're on the cot, and we need friends to carry us. And then there are times when we have friends that need to be carried. I like what C.S. Lewis said. He said this, True friends face in the same direction toward common projects, interests, and goals. And here's what's so great about this picture and this story is that you have a guy on the cot and you have his friends and they are all going to Jesus. Isn't that great? You have this guy on the cot and then you have a couple friends. We don't know how many friends. It could have been two. It could have been three. could have been four. One on each quarter. could have been two. It doesn't matter how many friends. The point is that you have a guy on the cot, you have his friends, and everybody's going to Jesus. And gentlemen, that is, uh, that's what it's all about. Everyone there, the guy on the cot, the guys holding the cot, they had one goal. They were going to Jesus. I like what uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as, uh, in fact, you are doing. Scripture speaks over and over about, hey, what does a friend look like? What does a friend look like? And I like this verse. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. It tells us, hey, look, a friend is somebody that's going to encourage you. A friend is somebody that is going to carry you. Job 6.14. You know, Job went through a hard time. And Job even talks about his friends. He says this, anyone who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. If you remember, look at Job. Job was, man, he was down and out. And what did his friends do? 
They weren't much of friends because you know what? They showed up and they were like, eh, just curse God. Eh, you know, don't worry about it. Eh, you, you know, just, just die. You're going through a hard enough time. Don't even worry about it. What kind of friends are those? I would suggest and say that they're not very good at all. What kind of friends are those? Proverbs 18, 24, one who, is unre- one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Charles Swindoll said this, I cannot even imagine where I would be today if it were not for a handful of friends who have given me a heart full of joy. Let's face it, friends make life a whole lot more fun. And boy, that's true, isn't it? Friends make life a whole lot more fun. I love hearing the stories about you and your friends, especially this whole hanger deal. I'm going to go home and when my son walks in the door, I'm throwing a hanger right square in his face. It's going to be awesome. That's right. He might lose his eye, but he's got another one. That's why God gave him two. Hey, here's, here's, here's what I'm getting at. There are a lot of dudes out there right now that are going through life and they are all alone. They're all alone. And when you come here to Cottonwood Creek, we don't want you to be alone. Who do we want to be here? What kind of men do we want to be here at Cottonwood Creek? We want to be the men... That when you walk in, you're going to find some friendships. You're not only going to find some friendships, but you're going to find that small group of guys that are going to be your best friends. You're going to find that group of guys that when you have to get on the cot and you need to be carried, they're going to be the ones that show up and carry you. And also, they're going to be the same guys that when they need something and they're on the cot, you're going to show up and you are going to be more than willing to carry them. Not only do you feel like you need to help them, but you want to help them. You say, man, I want to carry that cot. I want to help you. I want to help you get to wherever it is you're going because you are broken. And not only do we want to carry you to a specific place, we want to carry you specifically to Jesus. And that's what's so great about these friends. That's what's so great about this guy on the cot. This guy on the cot, he needs Jesus. And what do his friends say? His friends say, you know what? You need Jesus. And you know what? We're going to take you to Jesus. Man, what great friends, huh? What great dudes that they say, hey, we're going to take you to Jesus. We see three qualities about these friends. First of all, we see that they have a strong faith. They firmly believe that Jesus is going to heal their friend. They firmly believe that Jesus is going to heal their friend. Let me ask you this question. Do you firmly believe that Jesus can fix what's going on in your life? Do you believe that? If you believe that, why are we not leading our friends to the same guy that fixes us? Amen? Why aren't we leading them? If we are their friend, then we want to tell them and teach them about the saving power of Jesus Christ. And not only that He can save us and give us eternal life, but also that He can heal whatever's going on in your heart. That He can heal whatever's going on in your mind. He can fix any situation that you are going through. Man, if we're true friends, we need to be leading people to Jesus. We need to have, we believe that Jesus can fix stuff. We believe that Jesus can fix us. 
We also need to believe that Jesus can fix our friends. And guys, there's some dude that you probably know that you're, that is your friend that's laying on a cot. My question is, is are you carrying them to where they need to go? Are you carrying them to Jesus? So we see that they have a strong faith. We also see that they have a humble faith. We see that they have a humble faith. Because they don't go and barge into the crowd and say, Hey, Jesus, we have this lame friend who can't walk. We need you to come over here to this house. No, what do they do? They humbly serve. They go to their friend. They pick him up and they take him to the house. They don't wait on Jesus. Okay, They don't sit around and call Jesus up and be like, Hey, when you have time, can you come over here? And they just kind of sit around in the living room and wait. No, rather they go and they wait on Jesus. They go in and they see everybody just kind of hanging around and just kind of doing their thing. And they're like, oh, wait a minute, we, we can't get in. What are we going to do about it? And so they say, you know what? We are going to, we're going to dig a hole in the roof and we're going to lower our friend in. Our friend needs to get to Jesus, and this leads to the third kind, and that is they have an active faith. So they have a strong faith, they have a humble faith, but they also have an active faith. They're going to go and they are going to do something about it. I like what one guy said about friends. He says, you don't have to be crazy to be my friend, but it helps. Let me tell you something. We all need those crazy friends. We need those friends that are going to go to the nth degree to help us out because sometimes we need a dude to get on a roof, to dig it out, to lower me down in front of Jesus. We need somebody like that. Guys, if you think you can make it on this world alone, you probably can, but it's going to be lonely, it's going to be hard, and it's going to be full of stumbling blocks. Boy, I'd much rather walk through this tough world with a friend, wouldn't you? I'd much rather walk with somebody by my side. I like how Ecclesiastes kind of points out, hey, two is better than one. Three is a strong cord that cannot be broken. So it's good to walk through this life. And so we see these guys that they have an active faith. They're just not going to sit around and be like, oh, I'm sorry. And oh, man, you know, best of luck to you. No, they're going to do something about it. And that's what friends do. They do so. They see somebody, they see their friend, they see their buddy hurting. You know what? They step up to the plate and they say, what do we need to do to help you out? What do we need to do to get you off of this cot? Sometimes there's not very much. But it's not the point of how much. The point is, is that you show up and you say, I'm willing to carry the cot. Tell you what, for the guy laying there on that cot, do you know how appreciative he is of these dudes showing up saying, hey, we're taking you to Jesus? Uh, too many times we say, well, I invited my friend to church. You know what? Pick up the cot. Go by their house and pick them up. And then take them out to lunch. Just a thought. Kind of go that extra mile of picking up the cot. They have an active faith. They have a strong faith and they have a humble faith. Psychology Today has done multiple articles on friendship. And there are three categories of traits that they have kind of defined as this is what makes a good friend. First of all, there's the category of, of integrity. And these qualities 
are the core values of what friendship is built on. It's that trustworthiness. It's that honesty, dependability, loyalty. And, and it's that trust that you have with each other. The second category is that of caring. And that is empathy. And this is a big one. And it is the ability to withhold judgment. It's the ability to withhold judgment. Now, I am all for telling somebody that they are a bonehead. <laughs> Look, you're a bonehead. And what you did, you made a boneheaded move. Frazier tells me that all the time, okay? That's just the way we operate. Don't applaud him! Oh, yeah. Frazier's a true friend. He'll tell you if you're being an idiot or not. But here's the deal, is that he won't judge you for it. He'll say, did you screw up? Yeah, you screwed up, but that doesn't change how I care for you. Now let's see what we can do to fix it. Now let's see what we can do to correct what was wrong. You know, too many times I hear of guys, matter of fact, I heard a story last week, guy just up and left his family, he was good church going guy one from this church but I'm sure there are some of you that are struggling you're even thinking about this he just up and left and there was a group of guys that <clears throat> showed up at this guy's office and they just wanted to sit down there like hey we don't know what's going on we don't care but we want to pray for you we want to tell you that we love you we want to tell you that we care for you and we want to tell you we want the very best for you and we want what Jesus Christ wants we want you to follow scripture and so a group of guys they showed up and this guy looked at him and said, you know what, I don't want anything to do with you. It's that guy's fault for rejecting his friends. It was the friends that said, you know what, we don't want to get involved in the details. We want to show up and we want to carry you. How can we carry you? And he said, you know what, just leave me here laying on the couch. I don't care. Guys, there are dudes that care for you and they want the very best for you. And that's what a friend does. They will see that you screwed up. They will point out, hey, listen, man, you might have messed up, but, but I'm here to help you fix it. And so they know, hey, listen, we all sin. I sin. Frazier sins every once in a while. We have, you know, it just happens. But what we need is a group of guys that say, hey, listen, that's sin, that's wrong, but we love you, we care for you, and we want to carry you back to Jesus. We want to carry you back to Jesus. And then the third is that of congeniality. And a good friend is somebody that man finds humor in life. That finds humor in life. A lot of you, your best friends, the reason why you hang out with them is probably because they're crazy and they make you laugh. They think, you think that they are funny. We see here that this man is broken. We see here that this man needs help. We see that this man can't get to Jesus. And you have a couple friends that show up and they take him to Jesus because he's broken. Guys, we are all broken in some way, shape, or form, and some of you are really broken. Some of you right now, you are really, truly struggling in life. It could be with your job. It could be with your family. It could be with your spouse. It could be uh, with just some relationships. I don't know what it is. 
You could be broken because of alcoholism or drugs or whatever it might be. It might be that secret sin that just keeps on just pounding at you. But we are all broken in some way. Some of us, we have a broken spirit. Psalm 51, 17. My sacrifice, O God, is my broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Uh, God, you will not despise. And some of us, we have a broken spirit. Some of us, we have a broken heart. Psalm 69, 20. Scorn has, my, has broken my heart and has left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none for comfort. For comforters, I have found none. There's some of us, man, we've had broken bones. Man, our bones are broken. Just physically, we're broke. We're like this guy that's laying on the mat. He's physically broken. Psalm 32, 3. When I keep silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. No matter which way we are broken, here's what I love. No matter which way we are broken, his friends lowered him down in front of Jesus and Jesus didn't go, what in the world's going on? What are you guys doing? He didn't say any of that. Look at what he says, and this leads us to our second thought. He forgave the man for whatever sins he had committed. Verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Don't you love that? Friend, your sins are are forgiven. <clears throat> when he saw everything that had happened, first thing Jesus said was not, hey, how you doing? Because Jesus knew how he was doing. Not good. He's on a mat. He's paralyzed. But rather he just said, hey, look, your sins are forgiven. I like what Isaiah 38, 17 says. It says, surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction and you have put all of my sins behind your back. The whole purpose and point of Jesus coming to this earth and dying on the cross was to forgive us of our sins so that we could have fellowship with God the Father forever and ever and ever. That is the whole reason why Jesus came. And so when this guy is lowered down, Jesus says, hey man, first things first. This is why I came. I came for the sole purpose of forgiving you of your sins. How great is that? How great is that for his friends to bring him here and to place him in front of Jesus? Best statement ever. Your sins are forgiven. No matter how broken you are, no matter how many times you've screwed up, no matter what's going on in your life, guys, the good news is Jesus has forgiven you of your sins. He's forgiven me of my sins. No matter what we've done, we cannot do anything that Jesus won't say, nah, I'm not going to forgive that. Isn't that great? Isn't that great knowing that if you're carrying the cot, that when you get your friend to Jesus, guess what? Jesus is not going to reject them. He's going to say, your sins are forgiven. I love this. If you look at verse 21 through 23, the Pharisees get involved. The religious crowd Get involved. It says the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were saying and thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up 
and walk. You know, it's always the religious crowd that brings in the questions. It's always the religious crowd that puts a wet towel over the fire. Y'all with me on that? Guys, here in the men's ministry, we don't want you to be religious. We want you to love Jesus. We want you to be Bible followers. We want you to encourage one another. We want you to love one another. We want you to be friends with one another. And not just friends, but we want you to be able to carry each other when you need it most. Notice it wasn't the Pharisees that brought this paralytic to Jesus. If you read all through Scripture, we don't see a whole lot of religious people bringing the sick to Jesus. What do we see? We just see common people like me and like you. It's not the religious that say, hey, bring, you know, hey, look, this is, this is my daughter, this is my son. Man, they need forgiveness. Hey, they need healing. No, it's, it's the common folk. It's the, it's the everyday person that brings people to Jesus. And who does Jesus question? He, he goes back to the, to the Pharisees. They sit back and they question, eh, Jesus, how good are you that you can forgive? Sin? Who do you think you are? Well, I'll tell you who these friends and this paralytic think Jesus is. They think He's the one that can save them. Not only do they think that, they're betting the whole farm on that. Because guess what? They brought their friend there. They said, we can't get to Jesus. They dug a hole in the roof of the house and lowered him in there. My question is this, who's paying for the roof? Right? They incurred some cost on this. So obviously, Jesus was worth it. Obviously, Jesus was worth the risk. Obviously, Jesus was worth the financial investment to get their friend to him. And Jesus looks at him. He says, hey, is it easier to forgive sins or is it easier to heal this man? Jesus asserts his authority in the situation. Basically, Jesus steps back and says, I'm God. In a nutshell... In his question that he poses, he just said, basically, I'm God. I like what Ephesians 1, 18 through 21 says. It really shows Jesus' authority as Paul writes to those in Ephesus. He says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches and his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his uncomparable great power for us who believe believe the power that is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand look at this in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and the name that is invoked not only in this present age but also in the one to come who is Jesus that's who Jesus is he is far above any other name. It is His name that deserves glory and honor and praise. I like what John Stott said. He said this, His authority on earth allows us to dare to go to the nations. His authority in heaven gives us our only hope of success and His presence with us leaves us no other choice. Gentlemen, 
The only major decision you have in this world is are you going to follow Jesus or are you not? That's it. And as good friends, we need to be carrying our best friend to Jesus. And then third and finally, we see that he healed the paralyzed man completely. Verse 24, but I, don't want, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has been given authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. And look at verse 25. Immediately he stood up in front of them. He took what he had been laying on and went home praising God. Verse 26, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. <laughs> no kidding, right? No kidding. Can you imagine Jesus says, hey, your sins are forgiven. Now get up and get out of here. And the guy stood up. Could you see, could you imagine what his friends were doing? Because they're not in the room. They're still on the roof looking down. And can you imagine their amazement when Jesus said, get up, take your mat and get out of here. And he walked out. What do you think his friends did? You know, it's amazing to see God work. It's amazing to see God work. And I tell you what, God wants to work in your life, and He wants to work in those dudes' lives that you hang out with. He wants to do some amazing stuff. But guys, we got to get our friends on the cot to Jesus. And so kind of in short, and as we wrap up, what kind of, what kind of men's ministry do we want? Do we want a men's ministry that does stuff? Yeah, sure. But we want a men's ministry. I want a men's ministry. I believe God wants a men's ministry that comes together and that are friends, that won't judge, and that will just simply lead each other to Jesus. That's what it's all about, to lead each other to Jesus and to have a lot of fun doing it, to have a ton of fun doing it. Guys, if, uh, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, let me tell you what, you need to be healed. First and first and foremost, you need spiritual healing. You need to be forgiven of your sins. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, 1 Thessalonians says today is the day of salvation. So I want to encourage you, when we're done, I'm going to be here. Frazier, he'll hang out. We have a couple ministers back there, Super Dave, and we got Handsome Greg, and Sloan's is back there. Sloan's knows a little bit about Jesus. And... He doesn't know much. Our music minister knows more than Sloan's does. Yeah, I don't. We got Sanford back there. Hey, we want to talk to you about knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And I just want to encourage you over the next couple weeks as well, look around. There are some friends that you might have. There might be some co-workers that you have that are friends now. The man, they need Jesus. And they're on the cot. I want to encourage you, pick them up and carry them to Jesus. Carry them to Jesus. There are some of you here that you're on the cot and you need to be carried. Man, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to ask. Because some of us don't know what you're going through. And some of you just might need to raise your hands and say, man, I need to be carried. I need some help. Man, that's what we're here to do. And that's what we want to be. We want to point people to Jesus. We want to carry people to Jesus. We want to have a lot of fun doing it.
Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. Father, if there's somebody here who does not know your son, Jesus Christ, as their personal Lord and Savior, Father, I ask that they would repent. And Father, that they would get their sins forgiven. Father, I pray that you would draw them to you. God, if there's somebody here that's on the cot, Father, I pray for men around them to carry them. Father, I pray that we would be the man in our workplace, the man uh, in our home, uh, the dude on the ball field, the guy in the hunting stand, Father, the guy in the, in the fast car. That, God, we wouldn't, just, we wouldn't just drive by, walk by, but, Father, we would look for people laying, laying on the cot and that we would pick them up and bring them to you. Father, we, uh, we love you. We thank you for this time. And Father, please make our hands productive as we go in to this work day. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's men said, y'all have a great day. Take care. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.